just a tremendous pickup for Florida State, especially with how they're starting to get involved in this transfer portal now. And I just feel like Darren Green and I will will be linked forever. So hope he's a good player. The the night he did that to Florida State was that was, the day I, got, I, that was the day <laughs> I got engaged. So I, I feel like we'll just be linked and uh, a ring of harmony for the rest of our lives. <laughs> what the fuck? Florida State. Man, this was a pretty this is a pretty lengthy. Uh, podcast and i was not expecting us to have a two-hour podcast but here we are a lot of good a lot of good content in this one all around i like it if i was an fsu fan i'd probably come here and rate nate probably a c plus on the interruptions but not too bad not too bad it could have been a d i'd rate you a f minus as a host because you're a douchebag <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? It's Logan Robinson. We're here this year presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here on a fantastic, just absolutely stunning Thursday here in Tallahassee as the spring has fully wrapped up. The Amarius Mims saga has finished, and now we get to jump into the fun, which is Transfer Portal, which seems to be kicking right now for Florida State and Tallahassee with more potential players entering soon. We'll talk about that in a little bit. With me this evening is Austin Vizi, lead basketball writer down below. I like the little Vikings jersey we got there. It's not Dalvin's, but you got to wait until that number four comes in, right? Yeah, I mean, I did I did find out by wearing this today that Randy Moss lives in Charlotte. So, uh, Randy Moss, if you're listening, come by the store. Or be a guest on the podcast, maybe? Or can be a guest on the podcast, either way. Something like that. But go to the store first and get the numbers. Uh, D. Lou at the top, lead writer and editor with us this evening. Also, Nate Greer, lead recruiting insider. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good evening. Are we feeling good? I don't know. It's going to be a tough episode because once we wrap up the spring football talk, then it's just we're kind of stuck until August. Like, what what are we going to do after tonight? We're stepping into the abyss after tonight. Stepping into the abyss. I think we do every week one thing we hate about Logan. And we can talk about that. Like you already this. do that enough in the group chat, so I don't know what else. Yeah, <laughs> that could go on for years. You can make it public. It doesn't entertain you enough. That. that doesn't entertain you enough in the group chats. Uh, unbelievable. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of slowdown, but we're going to hope to grab a lot of guests moving forward. I will go ahead and say that we will have a 2013 national champion on this show. Maybe two. 
next week. Yeah, I thought um, we were having two. One. Yeah, we're going to have two 2013 national champions. And I think this will be the first time those two have been on together. So, as always, those usually create some pretty funny episodes. So, we're going to try to bring some more little entertainment while it's things slowed down here in Tallahassee. And we're hoping to have some more guests on FSU's coaching side and assistant-wise. Uh, and maybe some players throughout the offseason. So trying to get you guys linked up with some more content as we all have to sit back and wait. And the true dead part of the offseason begins. But as always, listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, if you're on one of those platforms, hit the subscribe button. If you're also on YouTube right now, definitely appreciate it if you hit the like button. It's not mandatory, but we definitely appreciate it. And make sure you hit the sub button because we're going to start uploading a lot more videos heading in the next couple of months. So you'll definitely want to subscribe so you'll be notified every time I release a new video on there. Gentlemen, let's get started because Florida State is having some transfers outside of the program. We'll start off with number one tight end. Kobe Gross decides to leave uh, Florida State. Came from Juco's side. He'll have four years of eligibility moving forward. Sadly, um, you know, was injured through uh, kind of the early part, really, really early part of spring camp. Um, and I believe near first part drill when stat pads came on. Yep. First day when pads fully came on. First drill, first day. First drill, first day. Oh, down, Yeah. Mm. So not even not he couldn't even have a chance to put the pads on. But, yep. Uh, as we know, Florida State's tight end room is very heavy right there in the in the first part so maybe not too much of a depth loss but i was actually looking forward to Kobe because i thought he looked good um i thought he looked better than he worked on his body a ton being able to see him in person um after the last couple of months working with coach storms but you know maybe not a major impact guy and you know wishing him the best but thoughts on Kobe gross hitting the portal good kid too it's your guy nate and i was gonna let you go um you know, for uh, I think there's a little bit of a surprise there. You know, on on his end, maybe not necessarily something that you know he wanted, but you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to um, availability of scholarship and and space. So, you know, that's what what it, what it simply boils down to for for him. And you know, he got banged up last year. Got banged up. In camp, man, you know, now that those have happened, you know, he's <clears throat> pretty much been asked to, to move on. And, uh, you know, I understand the the dynamics of, uh, of the business. You know, you got to keep your roster, you know, however you feel like it needs to be going into the season. But, you know, looks like that he's probably going to have to go. There's been some interest from what I've heard and, you know, he's talking about possibly going the Juco route and seeing what's available, you know, next spring. So, you know, uh, you, you look at the tight end room and, you know, Cam is your your, your defined starter. Um, you have Douglas, who's more of a blocker. You have Daniel, who's more of a blocker. White Rector had a pretty solid spring. You know, he's a he's an athlete that can do different things. Um, Brian Courtney, you know, he struggled adapting to the college, you know, college play, but, you know, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about the back end if Florida State wants to maybe look at that room and maybe bring in one more. There's some numbers there, but they're still not 
a lot of talent. You know, Jackson West is a guy that maybe disappointed a little bit during spring, uh, but still has a lot of ability. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but you know, I I, 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 I wish Kobe a lot of luck. As you said, yeah. he, he he is a good kid and really like be, being in Tallahassee. Yeah, it was a tough path for the kid. You know, really felt like he got the short end of things because he had that JUCO season get canceled in 2020. Didn't get any game reps leading up to enrolling at Florida State. He wasn't an early enrollee, came in in the summer. So he was already a bit behind and then, you know, suffered the setbacks last year with some of those injuries and finally looks good in tour of duty. And you're thinking, all right, you might see something from the kid. And, you know, day day one early gets injured, knocked out for the whole spring. It's just really tough uh, predicament for him because, you know, they're like you said, Nate, there's <clears throat> outside of Cam McDonald – there's not really a proven guy in that room. Wyatt Rector, mm-hmm. he had an impressive spring, but will he be able to carry that through an entire 12-game 12 12 game season in the fall? Who knows at this point? And Jackson West, still an unknown. You've got the two true freshmen. Jarrell Powers not even here yet. Mm-hmm. And also Marcus and Douglas, who's also a, a, a pretty big wild card himself. So, you know, Kobe could have made an impact in that room, and it just uh, – Sucks that it went the way that it did. But, you know, he represented Florida State extremely well when he was here, um, despite the criticism. And just mm-hmm. wish him all the best and finding a, a new home. Yeah, no, he definitely represented Florida State very well. And definitely with a lot of the battles on FSU Twitter going crazy, definitely a pretty lethal group on there and give a lot of players a hard time. And don't really, maybe you should yeah, know there's the a lot of motivation. A lot of motivation, sorry, Logan. A lot of motivation on his part to kind of prove the naysayers is wrong. So, you know, I know yeah. there's a lot of debate on taking him. I understand why they took him. Um, and a lot of people were, were retweeting my, my tweet earlier before. I forget where – I think I, it was after the season. I don't remember when I tweeted it out. So, but, no, I stand by what I tweeted. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and that tight end room now, you know, like y'all were saying, Cam McDonald's your leading guy there, and I think Rector is probably your number two right behind him, but you're really mm-hmm. looking for more of a person that can play at the experience because you don't really have that after Cam. Rector has, has a good amount, but after that, you know, you're hoping that someone can pick up steam. you still got Marcus and Douglas, too, who had, like, small little flashes during the spring, but you're not expecting a whole ton from him pending in 2022 so this is something that later on when we get later on into the show as one of the grades position grades for a group that's one that i'm pretty pretty not so sold on heading into 2022 and that that's that stinks it feels like it's been that way for a while now so we'll mm-hmm. see but you've also got young guys bright corny here um that jackson west you know if things can get going for them pick up some steam it just seems like they're taking a little bit longer adjusting into the college level and that sucks you know it feels like cam mcdonald's been here for 18 years and uh, i was i will say too it's kind of surprising you know we talked about here i think a year two years ago maybe with norvell about how titans kind of have a lot of success in his offense and we just really haven't seen it here yeah. Since he's been here. Yeah, and, and Preston well, Daniel tw- can't be a guy that's your pivotal player at tight end either. That can't be – that's what he mm-hmm. was being – using. he's a blocker. Yeah, different than Cam, but that's that was your two-deep guy mm-hmm. after uh, Cam. Austin, how many catches did Cam have last year? Like, like 
14, 24. It, it wasn't a lot. I can find it real quick. Yeah, I don't. It, well, it didn't really start picking up, I feel like, till the latter half mm-hmm. of the season. They used him a lot down the middle quite a bit, and you got to see Jordan Travis connect well with him. Uh, it was 24. 24 catches for 243 yards. Yeah. And that stinks because you don't have a threat at tight end, at least in the passing game. You don't really have a true threat. Cam, I think, can be that, but I think you're already reached that ceiling with mm-hmm. Cam. And that's not a knock on him, but you know that's where you're looking at. Hopefully, that's why you recruit and you hope to bring in some more threats there at tight end. And you know that's it's something heading into 2022. I wonder if they'll find an answer there in the portal mm-hmm. or somewhere. But um, you know, if, if Rector, we saw a pretty decent spring from him, but it wasn't a spring where you're like, okay, golly, he's going to compete for Cam for starting position. This is a mag. This is like a magnitude changing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something we'll discuss probably later on. Um, another player that who that has decided to enter the transfer portal is Jadarius Green McKnight, linebacker, sophomore. Um, and he, I guess, saw what he saw in the spring and, and said, you know, hey, I think I'm just going to maybe try elsewhere. Um, you saw it bring in Tatum Bethune. You've got guys. Um, around them that have started to play very well. You see Gainer. You've also got um, Stephen Dix Jr. and Lundy is, is expected starter heading into next season. Um, and then maybe Omar Graham, true freshman, who you know Maddox was out there with us at every practice and was watching him tightly, and you know definitely made some strides there. So this is what happens during the spring. There's going to be transfers. We're talking about in a minute, but just solely focus on Jadarius McKnight. I don't think this is a huge major loss you would have wished things were clicking mm-hmm. because this guy came in a, a talented uh, recruit out of high school i think that uh <laughs> yeah i don't think it's a very uh surprising loss you know back to even when tour of duty was going on he was he was kind of a guy that I was looking at maybe as a potential transfer candidate down the road and you just saw it throughout the spring. You know, he was a little bit buried in that rotation uh, with Kalen Deloach continuing to oppress and Tatum Bethune coming in and um, showing some signs. So, you know, he, he just wasn't going to make that flash, it seemed like, and started out his career as a DB, eventually got moved to linebacker last year, kind of in and out of things with some injuries and then played a little bit towards the end of the season. But he's a guy that, you can tell he wanted to get on the field and, and show what he can do. And I don't think that was going to happen th- this upcoming fall with the way that linebacker room is right now. 20 years ago, uh, he would have been a beast at that rover spot under Mickey Andrews. You know, that's the style of safety that he was. The guy to come up in the box and, and, and lay the wood on you. Um, I, I just think that he's a tweener, you know, in today's game, he's not, not a safety and he's too small for linebacker. You know, he's 5'11". That's, you know, we see 5'11 linebackers, but, you know, he's not – it's different. You know, he's not – he's not 5'11". He doesn't necessarily have the frame to be a complete linebacker. Um, so I, I just think that he was kind of – I don't want to say positionless in this defense, but, you know, I think I'll go with that term because – you know, he's too big for safety and um, not necessarily big enough for, for what they like to do on defense. So um, at, at, at best, he would have been a special teams guy. I understand him looking elsewhere because he can go somewhere else and maybe play in a different defense that he can 
moved back to to safety, you know, his natural position. So as a kid, I like coming out. You know, he has some really good film, and he stayed committed for a long time. It's just that, you know, some kids don't really develop much more when they get to college, and I think that's what you saw here. Yep. No, and you know, didn't see much from spring from him, and. You look at trying to, if you're going to go compete in the DB room, that's already kind of the, maybe one of the hardest positions right now because I think you're going to see even more guys out of that mm-hmm. defensive backroom transfer. So, you know, he goes down to linebacker, gives that a try. But, you know, that's kind of the same way with, you know, Brendan Gann almost, but they're two different. I think Gann is maybe even more slower than him, but they're both tweener kind of players where they're right in between. You know, Gainer has more size than both of these guys mm-hmm. and Gainer's. Still, you know, projected as a more of a tweener type guy, but he's put on more size um, and you kind of know what you're getting from him. So definitely a difficult kind of situation for uh, Jadarius. And so definitely hoping that he can find an opportunity somewhere. But now that linebacker room kind of thins out a little bit more and more and more. And it's taken a pretty decent hit. Um, but if you look at it with the, the, the style of defense they play, you know, you don't need a four deep at that at that spot. Mm-hmm. You need five or six guys that can play, maybe cross train a little bit, play different spots, but you don't need a, a ton of linebackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's too concerning right now. You're still at seven scholarship linebackers, and you're probably going to have two on the field the, the majority of the time. And really, mm-hmm. I think there's five guys, maybe even six in that group that could contribute maybe seven if you add in a walk-on Cortez Andrews who played a little bit last year, but um, Tatum Bethune, Deloach up top. Then you've got DJ Lundy and Amari Gaynor and also Omar Graham Jr. had some impressive flashes during Mm -hmm. spring practice and could become a viable option as the season goes on. He gets some experience. And then there's still Steven Diggs Jr. You know, maybe things finally come to life. So we'll just have to see. I'm not. I'm not too concerned with where linebacker stands at the moment, though. If you know, one, one, I didn't realize how how young Omar was. You know, he still went through at at what 17 years old. Yeah. You know, um, so you know he's got a lot of physical maturing to do, and he looked pretty solid. Um, but I agree with Dustin. You know, you got four guys, five guys. You know, if if Bethune. Deloach, um, Dix, and, and, and Gainer can stay not, – not Dix, but uh, Lundy can stay healthy. And then if you can get something from Dix, you got five guys that can, I think, man that spot for you with Omar Graham playing some, you know, spot reserve roles. And I think you, there's your six guys that can that can really, you know, contribute at, at linebacker for Florida State in, in the fall. I'm going to go to a question back here from Tom on Facebook asking, how about moving Burrell to tight end? This has always been brought up, I think, no. quite a bit. Um, but I don't see that happening. I don't think he should be. I know everybody wants him to be some crazy just build guy and be a, you know, if he's not going to be a speedy route runner, then up, then we got to move him to tight end. If you're not moving Johnny Wilson to tight end, then you're definitely not going to move Burrell. I think him – uh, his certain position at wide receiver, I think you're going to like where he's at. I don't see Florida State making any move there. He's not tall enough, in my opinion, either for that position. He's not tall enough. Doesn't have long enough arms. He's not built for a tight end. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a guy. Not ahead. there to block either. I don't know what you. No, have he's he's going to be a guy that surprises some people. I think in the slot. 
I don't think he's a full-time tight end, but it wouldn't surprise me if Florida State lined up Burrell and Johnny Wilson at tight end sometimes to create mismatches in the passing game. But it's not mm-hmm. going to be a full-time move or anything like that where he's getting down there blocking on the goal line and, and <laughs> to that level of it. More, more to take advantage of, of the receiving factor mm-hmm. and create mismatches and coverages against linebackers and things like that. Because I really do think that that would be a good advantage for Florida State. Mm-hmm. It's a question for Camillo asking: Is Demory Tate, Florida State defensive back, starting this year? We I don't think we are are any of us expecting him to start, um, and I don't believe he you know he has a chance to jump into that too deep. You know we saw him a few times this spring uh, compete the too deep, but I think there's a lot of high expectations from him, and this was his best spring, probably his, his best camp since arriving at Florida State, and you got to hope things click for him, but not expecting him to uh, be a starter. You would love for him to develop and get some burn in there, but I just don't see enough college experience for him. Definitely, uh, I, definitely I, not I, to start, but you got to hope that he can jump in too deep. I was just saying, make sure you read our defensive depth chart prediction uh, tomorrow, whenever it gets posted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to start, but I do think there's some potential he gets involved into the rotation. And then from there, who knows? Because, I mean, he is a five-star talent. Just He had a tough beginning to his college career. Didn't have a spring in 2020. Missed last year in spring with the injury. Kind of had some academics that kept him off the field. I think it was that 2020 season. And then last year, just couldn't break into things after that early injury. He was too far behind. So we'll just have to see. But, I mean, the kid is extremely talented. You know, he was that top recruit in Florida State's um, first class under Mike Norvell, the 2020 transition class, whatever the heck you want to call it. And there's there's a talent to tap there. And I thought you saw a little bit of it this spring, but it just hasn't been enough consistent yet, especially with how some of those other younger defensive backs are playing, like Kevin Knowles, Marion Cooper, guys like that. So it is going to be tough for him to get a starting spot, but he could be a contributor. Yeah, the, he's healthy, and he has some confidence. So, you know, build from that and see what happens. Mm-hmm. They also got Grady Vance in there, and you get to see some signs and great, great flashes, a great, you know, starting spring from Ezra Thomas and Sam McCall. So it's, a, it's still a battle there for Demory Tate. And, you know, saw the, saw the flashes, but you got to see continuous patterns of that for that to happen. And, you know, that will be a big fall camp for him too. So and into the – and into that, so we'll keep an eye on Demory for sure. Hope things hope things click for him. Hope things do. Um, it would be big for the secondary if they did. It would be very nice because you got the physical attributes. It's just always about clicking mentally for him, I think. And I thought you saw that this spring, and really some really good signs from it. But consistency, let's see that consistent. Or we're talking about you every practice. You know, we talked about it once or twice, but I want see it continuously talk about you. So. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the latest and the final and the final chapter is over for Amarius Mims and that whole situation there. He ends up deciding to go back to Georgia. He decides to go back to Georgia after having a pretty, pretty solid uh, trip to Tallahassee. Got to enjoy the scenery in the A50 and also got to be treated like a king inside the program at Florida State with what we heard was a really good visit. Um, just things didn't seem to go well. I'm not, it's probably be a continuous conversation, but you know, Florida State Twitter going crazy. You know, you've got another outlet reporting that he's, he's signed. I don't know what he's signing, but he's signed um, with FSU, but 
just seemed to be just a whole cluster F, you know, and also thoughts and prayers to him and, and, and his teammate and his high school teammate. And that ended up maybe reversing his visit plans for the rest of the weekend and made him and, and his family go back home. And I'm sure that was a pretty difficult process for him to handle with also having media just all warped around him here in Tallahassee and didn't help that a commitment, uh, in quote commitment happened and a signing happened probably wasn't too great for that situation, but maybe it just is what it is kind of dealio. And he goes back to want to play for Kirby smart, which he'll come have to compete for a starting spot. And so you wonder, did Florida state fumble the bag here? Did he just simply did Georgia throw a bag? Did Kirby Smart say, oh, no, I want you to go to Florida State, but no, I want you to come back. Just a very interesting situation from a guy that would have been a big-time game-changer of Florida State's offensive line. And as a not just offensive line, we're talking team as a whole. What are y'all's thoughts on on a, on a, on a, on a miss here, I guess, for, for Mike Novell and the staff? Or, you know, it, it's tough. This is the young kid still trying to figure out his future. But, you know, once again, Florida State fans get – their heart broken in half. It just continues. It just doesn't stop. I, I keep telling people to stop getting so invested. That's the thing. Just don't get on Twitter. Don't get so invested. Don't start doing the hashtags again. I swear, if Florida State fans keep doing those damn hashtags, will they not learn? Stop doing the hashtags. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. Right, well, you know, my thoughts are, I don't think that FSU fumbled anything. I think they did a hell of a job on the visit. I think they presented a lot of uh, positive options in, in them being the school for MIMS. But, you know, hearing some things behind the scenes of them being, you know, very spiritual, whatnot, I think that everything that happened, you know, from an FSU media site jumping the gun to, you know, the tragedy that happened in his hometown, you know, not saying that that's why, but maybe they decided that you know, those were signs to stay where he was at. Uh, I'm sure Georgia swung back around because they did not want him to leave. Quite sure Georgia swung back around to see what you know Florida State had to offer him, and you know, and I'm sure that you know their their sales pitch helped convince them to to stay in Georgia. But man, it, it, it it's a kick in the stomach, man, because. It looked like there for a little bit that it was definitely going to happen. Um, you know, it looked like Florida State was going to get their guy finally at tackle. And it just didn't happen again. So, you know, I, I, I know us here, you know, we're, we're not concerned about tackle, but you know, we all felt that that would be a definite answer to the maybe one last question mark for the offense. But now they go back to the drawing board. But I would not say Norval fumbled anything. I thought that, you know, from everything we heard, it was an awesome experience, and they did an awesome job. So sometimes, you know, fate, if you believe in fate and if you believe in that things are the way they're supposed to be, maybe that's how it's supposed to be. And, you know, Florida State finishes second once again. Yeah, I mean, you, you just can't make up Florida State's bad luck at this point. You know, when Marius Mims enters the transfer portal on, I believe it was April 10th, three days later, he's arriving in Tallahassee to on Wednesday night, begin that official visit on Thursday. 
coaching staff's there to meet him. Seems like everything starts off very well. And then, boom, that same night, a, a false media report comes out. And next day, goes through his visit. Seems like everything's okay. And then on Friday morning, obviously, the tragedy happened in Georgia with his high school teammate passing away. And that caused everything to end earlier than expected. And as you noted, Nate, his family headed back to Georgia. And from there, it was kind of radio silence for, um, you know, 24, 48 hours or so. And I reached out to a Georgia source, and they said that Amarius Mems had been back on UGA's campus over the weekend and had been back with some teammates. And I asked, you know, what, what changed? what made him change his mind. And he said, honestly, I don't know what changed. Like that's a, that's a direct quote from the source. And, you know, you can't fault what Florida state did here. Alex Atkins, he's had that relationship for a long time. Norvell was personally attached at the hip with Mims uh, throughout this visit. From what we've heard on our side, Florida state had a, a pretty good NIL offer out to Mims. So they did their part on that front as well. And I, I just think the, the chaos of, of that 48 hours from the media report, maybe making him feel like, all right, he can't feel totally comfortable with this program and stuff like that is going to get um, leaked so quickly. And then also the passing of his friend. I mean, just, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever, and I'm, you know, I'm still pretty new to this, but I don't know if I've dealt with a recruitment like that before. It was uh, a very chaotic three or four days and, you know, just hope that uh, his family and him are, are good at this time, especially with everything that's happened and wish him the best at Georgia. You know, it's tough for Florida state, but I want that kid to find success with everything that he's having to go through. I can't imagine how tough it's been on him. You know, it's tough for Florida state fans, but think about what they're dealing with uh, the last week or so. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say, you know, there was a comment about, Mims using FSU as more of a pay increase to Georgia. You know, I definitely don't think it's anything close to that. But no, you know, I, I think there was legitimate desire to see what was out there. You know, it seems like that. You know, Georgia was liking Mims more as a guard. He wants to play tackle. Like Dustin said, he's got a very long-term relationship with 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 Coach Atkins. You know, Florida State rolled out the red carpet and then some. You know, a lot of the team was inter interacting with them. So they mm -hmm. did a great job. And sometimes it just isn't meant to be. But, you know, man, what could have been? Yeah, I know. Definitely. And you got to think now Florida State's going to continue to look at the transfer portal continuously to work on that offensive line. Definitely the tackle position. You see Atkins going and visiting now uh, with a few players. So, you know, working that transfer portal and, and continuing to figure out maybe some answers there because you can tell after spring, they still don't feel so solidified with that depth at least and maybe starting position, but at least the depth Florida state wants to build on. And I will say after watching these spring practices, that was one of the weakest things was that second string, you know, Florida state has got to find an answer there. I don't know if it's just because, and I don't think it's this way. I mean, I do think that you do have two also potential starters with Malcolm Ray um, and Jared Jackson in there. So yeah, you're facing, two guys that could start and a lot of programs, but still that can't be the case with those guys just wrecking through 
the second string at offensive line and you're hoping to build that talent. You know, that's what comes with the cycle of building that offensive line like Coach Atkins is doing. You finally have a true offensive line class coming in that is going to be your rebuild year, but that it's not going to be immediate. So they're going to continue to have to go to that transfer portal to find guys that have the college experience to play there and and perform, and they don't have that at the moment. They have to find an offensive tackle in the portal. They have to. Mm. Have to. Yep. No. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, you look at it, you have, what, two, three quality options right now across both uh, tackle positions with Darius Washington, Rob Scott, and, and Bless Harris. I mean, is there anyone outside of that right now you'd feel comfortable manning that tackle spot for Florida State in a game. I, I don't know if you can say there is. I mean, you know, you've seen some signs from Lloyd Willis. Hopefully Rod will work and can keep developing, but they're just not ready yet uh, for that fire. So I, I definitely think Florida State needs to continue to scour that transfer portal to find somebody uh, mm-hmm. to just shore up the depth because, you know, Darius Washington, he had some injury issues last year. Rob Scott did as well. So if those guys get banged up, I mean, where are you going? And this was the problem that Florida State had last year. Whenever you had one of those guys in that starting five go out or even two of them, I mean, things just collapsed. So depth, depth has been a problem for, you know, a, a long time at this point. Mm-hmm. But Florida State's offensive line, it is in a position to improve. But when it gets beat up, which is going to happen over a physical 12-game, 13, 14-game season, you need guys that you can slide in who are quality replacements. And, like you mentioned, Logan, I, I don't know that there's a ton of guys that they have in that role right now, especially at offensive tackle. Maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable about the interior shifting some guys around, but mm-hmm. not outside. I, I think Rod Orr, I'll answer that question from everything I heard, is definitely has a lot of a lot of things to work on. You know, his footwork, um, primarily. There's some thoughts maybe that he's not a tackle on this level. Maybe he, he's a guard. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he's got a lot, a lot of skill, a lot of talent. But, again, offensive line is really – it's hard, man. It's a hard position to evaluate. It's a hard position to come in and play right away unless you, you know you're truly special. Um, you know, there's not a lot of Evan Neals. There's not a lot of guys that come in and play right away, you know. Perfect example is J.C. Latham, the five-star number one tackle last year's class, rode the bench the entire year, played very spot duty at Alabama. Yeah, Alabama has has other guys, but you know he was a can't miss five-star. It's hard to evaluate that spot, so that's why Mims would have been such a godsend for this program. Someone in the comments here saying that uh, Mims versus. Verse verse would be uh, pretty fun to watch, and I'm I'm right there with you, Timmy from YouTube. That would have been get the popcorn ready for that. Definitely would have been fun to watch. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up. Sadly, doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. So, um, but you never know. It always seems like it's Mims until it ain't here in Tallahassee. But so <laughs> it's it, it's going to happen in the national championship game. So you know we'll see it later in the year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You boot up into double A later. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. So I want to bring this up before we do this spring position grades and then move on to some basketball because this won't be a long one for you guys tonight. But I want to bring this up because, you know, we're hearing some more things that there's going to be some additional transfers happening, exit interviews are continuing happening. Some have already wrapped up and 
we're expecting to hear a few more names hit that transfer portal. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're hearing a good amount of, amount of guys and that might shock a few people. And, you know, that was kind of, we maybe weren't, weren't expecting it too much, but you know, we weren't expecting a number though, that we've been hearing and it's, it's a decent number. And I think I'm trying to think from Norvell's side of things. And we understand that he's a coach that is straight up with you. And we saw that right away, you know, whenever Florida state came into Tallahassee and he built his staff he told he told he told players, you know, things aren't going to work out here. That he wants to change the locker room and the culture, and that's understandable. But now, it just feels like more of the locker room has been, you know, fixed. It's still ongoing a little bit, but it's in the almost at that finalization point where that that culture is fixed. But now it seems like you're thinning out some players that might not see playing time, and you're hoping to bring in maybe a bigger class in 2023 because Mag Norvell really liked what he saw this spring. And he said that to us. He really liked how intense and competitive the spring was. He said that was the best one practically that he's been on campus for. And he's only been here for a short time, but you could just tell from him and the way that he was saying it and the confidence through this whole spring camp that he really felt very high of this team leaving 2022 spring. Is he feeling like this next season is going to be a pretty good one for him. You know, you get that seven, even eight win, which would be huge on recruiting to maybe build up your 2023 class. Because if you got to think about it, Florida state's doing so well with eight wins in the last two season and getting some of these guys on campus and they're putting them at number two, number three, which a while years and years ago, that wasn't the case. Does Norvell know something that we don't, and he's preparing to build a, you know, a bigger, 2023 class. I know Nate and you and I talked about it this morning on the phone. You know, is that something that, you know, Norvell's planning ahead and he feels pretty, pretty well with what he has right now. And is kind of saying, Hey, we got to thin the room a little bit and get ready for next or, you know, two seasons from now. No, I, I can't. And I, I would never speak for, you know, what's going on with the Moore center, but you know, from my point of view, that's what it looks like to me. You know, you, you have some guys who aren't going to contribute to this upcoming season's team and, and aren't going to be a factor in the future. And it seems like Norvell's just telling them straight up that, you know, it's time to move on. And I, I, I it seems like that there's some confidence, quiet confidence about what they saw in the spring that would allow them to you know, ha- have a winning season and make a bowl game. And you know, there's a lot of debate on their staff and their ability to recruit and how they recruit. Um, it comes down to FSU having to win, and it's the same tired argument we've talked about. Even under Willie Taggart, you know, Florida State's got to get back to winning. And, you know, Florida State's a school that's going to recruit by itself when, when it's a winning program. Um, so my feeling is that he – maybe hedging his bet a little bit, creating some space for 2023, because there's a lot of kids that FSU is after, and there's a lot of interest from a lot of good players. And, you know, Dustin and I, you know, talk time to time about, you know, how, how are they going to fit some of these kids into this class? You know, how are they going to find room when you hear that they lead for or are in the top group for, you know, three, four, five, six different players at one position. So my opinion is that he is 
creating the space needed and taking or, or, or pretty much hedging his bet against himself that he's going to be able to get a, get a ball season out of this upcoming team. And, you know, whether we like it or not, and maybe this is a whole other topic for debate, you know, what happens if he doesn't make a bowl game this year and they have another losing season, you know, does he have a future? So I think it comes down to him. This being his third year. This is when coaches are supposed to turn the corner or make that next step. So that's either going to happen or FSU is going to probably be looking for another coach. Yeah. And if you look at, that's my opinion. If you look at where the scholarships uh, stand right now, I believe after Green, Green McKnight's transfer, you're sitting at 82 of, of 85 allocated scholarships, and you've only there's only eight scholarship seniors on the roster next year. And obviously, there will be some guys that declare early to go pro. And you know, we're talking about the transfers. The numbers will, will find themselves a, a way to work out, but at the same time, I'm not convinced that an eight and four season brings instant success on the recruiting trail for Florida State. Just because you look at the way the timelines work in recruiting now, you know, everyone's signing in December on that early signing period. The, the big guys are anyway, and most guys are committing before that. I mean, a lot of Florida State's top targets are going to be committing between now and probably August or September. So they're going to need to win those recruitments before they get on the field. But then when they get on the field, it's important to play success or, you know, to be successful to keep those guys in the fold. Because we saw Florida State win the offseason last year. They had a bunch of guys committed. Then they start out 0-4, and that recruiting class started dropping uh, like flies. So I think you're going to see a similar thing. Florida State, they're going to build up that class this summer, and it's can you hold on during the fall. And like you said, Nate, really uh, an 8-4 and four regular season and, and a bowl game, hopefully a win. That would give Florida State some definite momentum heading into 2023. And you look at that 24 class where Florida State is involved with so many of the guys right up there at the top in the country at this time and even have some of the top guys committed like Cam Davis. Um, I think 24 is where you're looking at that potential top 10 class if you come off a successful 2022 season. Yeah, and I don't think 7-5 and five gets them the return that they want. I think, like you said, it's got to be – a eight and four regular season with a shot at a ninth win from a bowl game. You know, mm-hmm. seven, seven and five does show improvement, no doubt. But in my opinion, it's not enough to land what they need and what they think they can land. So there has to be, has to be a big season, man. It's a big season for FSU you know, this fall. Yeah. Now it's going to be a big time conversation this <laughs> this whole off season because I do think it's make it or break it uh, for Mike Novell and you hear so many good signs from inside the program and outside and that things are going well and you know w- watching all these practices and being there for a true spring camp um, you know I, I think Florida State has its coach but if it ain't, it ain't if it ain't working it ain't working and you know things got to move on there but you know Florida State also doesn't have all the money that maybe other programs do so this isn't just a thing all right let's try this all over again and do this you don't want to do that and that's what we aren't I don't think any of us are expecting that to happen but <clears throat> there is got to be a line that you've got to go past and that's got to be seven eight wins you know even if you're adding on the eight went to be a bowl game you, you got to find some kind of momentum there and definitely i think if you have an eight and four season that is gigantic for florida state and you see the momentum happening on the recruiting side and i don't know it's gonna be a big time conversation it's gonna be a fun season to cover because i feel like 
now, like I said, I think Norvell kind of knows it, and he felt like this was a good spring, and he could be preparing and playing a crazy, crazy kind of chess game with us and preparing yep. for that 2023 scene. If he does, that ends up being the case, this is a crazy mother, <laughs> that's a crazy mofo, man, because he's kind of risking that, it for a biscuit yeah. a little bit. You got to think yeah. about it. He's risking it a little bit. These guys aren't pivotal players that we're hearing that are in the line of starters. These are, you know, behind depth. You're looking at late two, three, you know, depth pieces. But these are still, you know, some uh, some risks on some guys, and the conversations that these extra exit interviews are going through, you know, they're they're tough. And it's crucial that this team is ready earlier in the season because we saw we saw them come out in twenty twenty, start zero and two to to Georgia Tech and Miami, and then have a battle with Jacksonville State. And we all saw this past season. You come out zero and four, you need to come out week zero, punch Duquesne in the mouth, and then go down to Louisiana, punch LSU in the mouth. You've got to have early success. We've seen this team start to win as the year goes on, but you've got to start out on the right foot to put yourself in position to make the postseason. You can't come out and have these head-scratching games and, and losses and then you know beat North Carolina or um, beat Miami. You've got to do it from the get-go. Be consistent throughout the season. And, and the schedule sets up pretty fairly for Florida State to – has success, but I agree, Dustin. I think you know having early success can change the tone of the season. You, you, you're not chasing, constantly chasing that first win, then chasing number two. You know, you, you get a a layup in week one before you head to, to LSU. Better, it better be a layup. <laughs> I don't want to say uh, it. I don't want to say it's a layup. <laughs> a, a perceived layup in week one, but and then you go to week two. To, which I think is a winnable game against LSU. So, you know, they, they they have to start out well because this is it, in my opinion, for, for the staff. And, you know, I want to go into some just spring position grades before we give the floor to Austin to give us the update on Florida State's new transfer from UCF. Um, you know, I thought we'd just go by position by position, and I think we kind of did this before the uh, – camp started and I'm wondering if any of these guys and any of y'all's opinions change or not, because I think mine definitely changed at least offensive line wise, which I'll go ahead and start off with, you know, that we felt pretty good. And it's also under, we need to understand too, this is spring and you've got some youngins in there. This is some, for some guys, this is second, third year camp and you're hoping to see some improvement there. And I think you see signs from that, but I see more signs from newer guys. And in my opinion, you know, Caden Lyles just arrived, so I'm not giving him too much. But do I think right now he's a solidified starter over Maurice Smith now? No. And I understand that coming from Wisconsin, you're learning the system and such. But this this is spring, and I don't think there's much of heavy things being changed. I think that will be more in the fall. Still adjusting and getting used to a new system, but they're going through some more simpler things in the spring I think more of conditioning for Lyles, and I don't know if he could last two quarters um, right now. I think there's got to be a lot more conditioning working on the body, in my opinion. I think he gets a little bit more vulnerable, too, because he's a little bit slower there where you can use Marie Smith because he's lighter. But Marie Smith is really too light for you, so you're kind of in a tough situation. But if Caden Lyles is coming in to start right away, I don't feel so good about that offensive line if that's going to be your starting uh, center right now. And so I think my grade you know, is probably going into – uh, out of the spring right now is a solid C solid C I think after spring on my end of things, a lot of question marks. I'll go C. My, 
I'll go C minus because I believe um, Lyles was a little bit of a disappointment, which you kind of alluded to, Logan. Um, you know, the, I think that Florida State, or they, they hoped they had more of an answer at tackle. Um, it seems like the staff wants to put uh, Darius Washington at guard, which I, I, I like that. Uh, you know, um, just questions at tackle, man. You know, it, that worries me with a quarterback that's been injury prone, you know, I, I, I still think that, you know, it's a work in progress. You know, if a guy like Thomas Schrader can realize, you know, his potential and stay healthy, it's a, it's a guy the staff likes. So I'm really interested to see what happens when they get Julian Armella and Kushan Sapp um, on campus. Yeah, I'll say C+. Plus. You know, I was excited to um, see the offensive line this spring, and they just didn't live up, live up to expectation. We've already talked about kind of the, the depth issues. Um, whenever you lose someone from that first – well, from that top, you know, seven seven guys really, you're, you're going to struggle. So Florida State, they've just got to continue working those young guys behind them, the Thomas Schraders, Zane Herrings, Bryson Estes, Lloyd Willis, Rod Orr. Those are the guys that you need to see big signs from over the summer to feel more comfortable about where that unit currently stands. Because we all know football. Someone's going to end up getting hurt. Florida State's going to get a tough break. They're going to lose an offensive tackle or a guard or someone for a couple of weeks or someone's going to be playing hurt. They need guys behind it. And, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've said it enough. They, they need to scour that transfer portal hard. You're not going to be – I've seen some comments um, about Julian Armella. You're not going to be counting on a true freshman this year. It's it's just – it's not possible. Florida State's done that in the past. They had to play Darius Washington. They had to play Maurice Smith. Um, they had to play Dante Lucas when they were true freshmen. That didn't go so well. So, you're not going to be counting on a true freshman. You've got to find someone in that transfer portal, whether it's someone that's strictly a tackle, someone that can flex inside-outside, somebody somebody uh let's jump over to quarterback here um just a great off the top of the head here um i think this is depends depth this is once again depth but i'd go i'd go i'd go b you know you've got your solidified starter with jordan travis i thought watching him during the spring his progression deep ball um i still think there's still work to be done most certainly on reads and looking down the field longer but at least deep ball wise i thought uh, you saw some strides from Jordan Travis, and we heard during spring scrimmages he was throwing some dots, but wide receivers dropping him. So not going to give that hard time on Jordan Travis. So you got your solidified starter, but I'll be honest, I wasn't so. I, I wasn't. I don't think this was a game changing spring for Tate Rodemaker, which you were hoping that you'd see some better strides from him. I'll be honest, and I know some other people were thinking that, but I have my own opinion. And after watching Tate Rodemaker from last year practices, the last, not this spring, but the last spring before that, and the spring scrimmages, I didn't see much strides being taken by Tate Rodemaker where, you know, AJ Duffy coming in and still making some plays, still a long ways to go for AJ Duffy too, which that's a true freshman coming in early and rolly. That's what you're expecting. But, Nothing significant from Tate Rodemaker, in my opinion. That's where, you know, I would put this, <clears throat> I, I put at a flat B. It could be a B minus just because I didn't see Tate Rodemaker 
make some strides. And we also got to understand, too, he is a very, very, very good practice player. He's a very, very good seven-on-seven. He can throw the ball very far. He can connect with players. But sometimes when it comes to scrimmages or 11-on-11s, which we got to view all of spring camp, we got to see every single practice. Sometimes it's a deer in headlights, and we're throwing the ball up. And you don't want to know how Sam McCall, true freshman, is grabbing these interceptions. That ball is kind of just going up there. I, I just didn't see enough from Rodemaker, in my opinion. So um, that's why I'm going to flat B there. Could go minus, but I'm going to give it a B. Yeah, I'll go B minus. Uh, you know, you've got your starting guy in Jordan Travis. No one in that room is going to push him for the, for the starting job. He is the solidified starter. The only reason Jordan Travis is leaving the field in a closed game is because he's hurt or something. There, there's no chance for Rodemaker or Duffy to jump Travis in 2022 at any point uh, with, with what we saw throughout the uh, spring. Travis conti- has continued to come along um, as a passer. And really for me um, on him, it just comes down to staying healthy, um, protecting his body, making sure that he's continuing to slide in the face of taking big hits because he's missed some time. And the you know his first two seasons as a starter – Cannot afford to miss time in 2022. Um, AJ Duffy at this point still looks like a true freshman. Tate Rodemaker, you you said it, Logan. He hasn't come along as far as you would have hoped that that he would. A guy going into his third year in the system, um, one of the, the first one of the first quarterbacks that Mike Norvell signed when he got to Tallahassee. He just hasn't made that progression quite yet. And you know, I I would hope that Florida State can get an early blowout against Duquesne and, and get those guys in there, work them in some live game reps to to kind of help them out. Cause I really feel like that's the only way they're going to grow. They need more time on the field and, and Tate Rodemaker's time at Florida state, he was thrown in against Jacksonville state. That didn't go very well. And we saw this past season when, when he came in against UF and that didn't go well. So it's the Jordan Travis show, and I'm giving it a B minus because there's I, I'm not comfortable with the depth behind it, and I'm interested to see what Florida State's coaching staff how they decide to navigate the situation. You know, we've talked about the transfer portal. I don't know if there's going to be a legitimate option for Florida State, and they're they're probably just going to have to roll with with what they've got at this point. Mm-hmm. I just want to uh, mention real quick, Nate, before you get started, to Dupree's talking here on YouTube, saying that we're acting like. Tate is playing a lot of games. The only reason in hell we're talking about Tate Rodemaker now is because going back to Jordan Travis, how many times did Jordan Travis have to leave the game last year? Mm-hmm. And pivotal moments in a game, you look back at friggin' um, the first game against Notre Dame, you've got McKenzie Melton going in there. That's the reason why we're talking about Tate Rodemaker, Dupree, just to make sure that you're clear on that because we're not expecting Tate Rodemaker to come in and play over Jordan Travis. But it's definitely worth a damn conversation for a second string guy that has to probably go in because you don't fully have Jordan Travis for a full game for most of it, let alone a whole season. So that's why mm-hmm. we're conversating that just to kind of give you some education there on a fine uh, Thursday, beautiful evening, by the way. Gorgeous weather in Tallahassee this week. Uh, you know, I look at it as an individual basis. I'll give you know Jordan Travis a B plus. I think that he's progressed significantly. Um and, and for me to think that, you know, I was uh, one of the ones that was anti-Travis last year. So, you know, I, I, I think that he's taking the next step. I think that, you know, 
AJ Duffy's a freshman, but I think he got better as the spring went, and that's the, that's what you can expect from him. You know, so I would give him a C. And Tate Rodemaker, I just can't say anything different than what Logan said. So, you know, for me, that this is an average quarterback room for college. And like, like Dustin kind of hinted at, I do think that somehow, some way, somehow, FSU's got to get another um, experienced scholarship quarterback in, a, in in this from the from the portal. They have to because Duffy's not ready. Tate Rodemaker is showing that he can't do it when the lights are on. And you know, whether it's right or wrong, we have to just face the fact that. There's a likelihood that Travis is going to get hurt at some point, especially if they can't address the tackle spot. So you know, this is uh, an, an average quarterback room for me. Uh, how about running back? I thought this was probably maybe your maybe you're one of your best groups during uh, the spring afterwards looking at it. You saw signs and flashes, number one, from Trey Benson, who was an Oregon transfer that a lot of fans were worried and concerned about and definitely understandable after getting over that injury and coming in. The Florida State evaluated him very well. And once again, you saw him during the spring spring game, you know, have the flashes there and lead the running back room, seven carries, 77 yards. But, you know, I think you've got a, a solidified guy that's probably your number two behind Treshawn Ward that could, you know, that could be a one-two punch there, honestly, between – Ward and Benson. You've also got Toa Philly, who I thought had a very, very physical spring, which was much needed from him. They used they used Toa Philly quite a bit on goal line too, and scored about a majority of those too, which is impressive from a guy that out of that group is probably your thinnest guy. You know, you've got Ronnie Hill, true freshman coming in, and the last CJ Camel, true walk on, has a little bit more size than definitely Toa Philly. So out of this group overall, you saw really good signs from C.J. Campbell, true walk-on, who we heard really, really good things out of that second scrimmage from him. Hello. I mean, heard a lot of good things about that second scrimmage, and Norvell was really pleased with him. This room has quite a bit of potential, and I'm going to give this <clears> – <throat> I'm going to give this room a B-plus. It's almost to an A. At least probably leaving spring, I'll give it an A. I got I to find an A. I don't know where else I'm going to put an A anywhere. So if I'm going to give an A somewhere, it's going to this running back room. I, I agree. Uh, I was going to say A minus. I think that, that Benson is was one of the, the pleasant surprises at camp. Um, you know, he, he was the gifted running back coming out of Mississippi. You know, like true elite top end speed. You know, I had that knee injury and it looks like he's fully healthy. And I, I think he's going to push Trushan Ward for that starting spot. You know, you have a guy who is is going to be, you know, so let me, let me back a little bit. We're not going to have a 20-plus a carry back, I, I think, in this offense. You know, Norvell likes the committee. I think he has three proven guys in Benson, Ward, and Tor Philly. You mentioned Toa Philly. You know, he scores because he has great vision. Um, C.J. Campbell, he's going to play, you know. He's Trishon Ward part two. And then um, I think Rodney Hill can be a threat in the passing game. I, I, I like what they have here. I like the pieces. You know, you don't have a truly elite guy, but you have three guys for sure who I think are above average in Benson, Ward, and Toa Philly. And then you have 
a guy like like Hill who can be dangerous in the open field in the passing game, and a guy like Campbell who, by all, all reports, you know, everyone was excited about the defense, a guy who ate that defense up in, in the scrimmages. So I, I would definitely go A minus. Yeah, Nate pretty much nailed it. I'm going with an A minus um, as well. You know, there was some worry early on, you know, would Florida State be able to find a replacement for Deshaun Corbin in that rotation? Um, and, and I think they have in Trey Benson. It, it really seems like Treshawn Ward and Trey Benson are two very capable options for Florida State to continue the uh, the pounding rushing attack that, that they were using last year a lot. And Lawrence Toffoli going to get involved as well. And, Nate, you said, I, li- I really like the signs you saw from early enrollee Rodney Hill and C.J. Campbell. It wouldn't surprise me if he's on scholarship um, before the season gets started. Really, the, the wild card in that room for me is is D.J. Williams. If he can get back to how he performed at Auburn early in his career, that's just another tool in the shed for Florida State. So you've got five, six guys that you can use in a multitude of ways, and I think it'll fit um, what Mike Norvell wants to implement on that offense when it comes to a, a by-committee rotation. And, and if if what we saw from the defense is, is true and holds over, you know, teams that can run the ball well and teams that can play defense really well, they can play winning football. Mm, yeah, no, that group, you definitely feel good after the spring leaving from there. And we'll talk a lot more. We'll have so much more time uh, later on in the weeks. So we just kind of got to run through these spring camp grades, but we'll have a whole lot more to go guy. Go by position, position. I'm sure throughout the spring and uh, and heading the summer, because this is this is a pretty big, heavy group too. Kind of like that wide receiver room. So do you keep an eye on maybe potential transfers from here? And that would probably be like you said, Dustin, just bringing up the name DJ Williams. Does he end up staying in this rotation? Does if Florida State is able to keep this whole camp here? Because you lost Corey Wren too earlier in spring. Maybe maybe a group to maybe keep an eye on because that that's a big rotation. Not expecting much from Ronnie Hill as a true freshman coming in. But I do think C.J. Campbell's going to jump in there and get some rotation. So does that change some things up? We'll most likely be talking a lot, a lot more about that. Let's jump over to let's jump over to tight end. I'm giving I'm giving this room. I don't <laughs> C minus C minus after the spring. Um, nothing. <laughs> this room hasn't excited me in four plus years. Maybe since five, six. I don't know. Maybe going back to Ryan Izzo. I'll be honest. You know, I think Cam. Represents Florida State very well, has flashes, and maybe Florida State isn't utilizing them more, but you could tell, you know, Jordan Wilson was starting to click there at the end of the season. You wish you could have him. You could imagine having him and along with Cam another year. That would be gigantic, but you don't have that, and you're looking at Wyatt Rector. You still got Preston Daniel, and you're hoping that a guy like maybe um, Jackson West can get things clicking. You got Carter Boatwright. Marcus and Douglas is still on roster. Who's had tiny – Tiny bits. Yeah, Carter Boatwright is gone. I don't think I said his name. You just did. I said Carter Boatwright? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Jackson Carter. West. Yeah, Jake, I meant to say, uh, did I say Jackson West? You oh, you know, no, no, no. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, uh, God, who am I thinking? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, let me struggle here. Embarrassing oh, online yeah, for then, you, huh? Yeah, hold up. You're going to cut this out of the actual podcast? Uh, Brian Courtney. Brian Courtney. Dead okay, gummit. Brian Courtney. Golly, I got those two messed up. Dang it. Um, but, yeah, Florida State. Florida State 
this is probably why I, I don't like this room as, a lot the last couple of years. So I'm going C minus. I don't even know all of the names fully, even though I had it in my head earlier. Someone had it in the comments about Brian Courtney, but I'm not expecting Brian Courtney to be a guy that comes into the rotation early. I just don't, I don't think Florida state is a threat. If I'm going into a game right now, I'm not giving a shit about the tight end room. Sorry. That was kind of harsh there. I feel bad. Cam, I love you. I love you. I just wish maybe it's more targets for you, maybe more things for it to work in the scheme. But I just, I, if I'm a team right now, that's not a threat to me. Uh, are, are we giving, um, you know, our, our, our true heartfelt grades? Are we trying to keep it positive for, for the viewers? and Give it true. People here want it true on here this sphere. We don't try to cushion I, I, anything. I think it's a D. I, I mean, I'm not far um, away from that. I was, I was going to say. You have, you have Cam, who's your only proven commodity. Um, Wyatt Rector has played, you know, like I said earlier, spot duty. Um, you have Preston Daniel, who's a blocker. You have Marquise and Douglas, who is a blocker. Um, Brian Courtney, again, struggled this spring. Jackson West, disappointed. You know, Jackson West, it, it, Jackson West is, it, is your prototypical tight end. He's 6'4", 240, runs like a deer, but he had the dropsies. He had a ton of drops this this, uh, this spring. Got it, you know, got a little concentration part. You know, from for me, th- this is not a room that can help this team after Cam, and and, and for me. You know, there's just a lot of question marks. I would need to consider hitting the portal for another for another tight end. See what's out there because you you need you need some talent, man. You know, I I, I know it doesn't help this year, but like a guy like Randy Pittman that's coming in, hopefully, you know, is going to help that room significantly because that that kid is a player. But you know, for me, this room is is is, is a D. Very, very disappointing room for, for the spring for me. Yeah, this is this is my worst graded uh, position group as well, Nate. I'm going with a D, and you know you feel decent with what you have at the top with Cam McDonald, but then after that, it's just where where do you go? I mean, who who can you rely on? Wyatt Rector he had an impressive screen, uh, spring, but in his college career, he's got two catches for 13 yards. So. Outside of Cam McDonald, who doesn't have even 600 yards of receiving in three years, you know, just a lot of a lot of different things have happened in that tight end room. There's there's not much there, and we've seen some departures: Kobe Gross, Carter Boatwright. But I mean, it's just it's it's kind of bleak right now. Like you said earlier, Logan, you would love to have a Jordan Wilson right now because he would really make you feel a lot comfortable. Um, alongside Cam McDonald as more of that blocking threat, whereas Cam McDonald's more of the receiver. So I think Florida State, you've got to look at that portal and see if there's some type of grad transfer option that you can bring in to shore things up, you know? Because right now, I don't know if Cam McDonald, Wyatt Rector, and Preston Daniel are going to cut it. And unless Jackson West picks it up and starts showing flashes or the light turns on for Marcus and Douglas, I don't know that you're going to see very much production from that room with how it looked um, during the spring. I don't, I don't think you get a lot from Brian Courtney and Darrell Powers, a true freshman. Maybe they can con- contribute as their career shows, but it's probably not going to be in 2022. So D for uh, me. Uh, 
you can argue that Jordan Wilson was the best tight end on best tight end on the roster last year. I agree. You know. No, that's rumors. Rumors, not so bueno at an end of 2020. We'll see if the transfer portal comes in to help. Let's talk to wide receiver real quick. What are our thoughts after this? Pretty big spring camp. We talked about it a ton because this was going to be very, very heavily competitive. And you've got transfers that have came in like Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson, who had big time, big time flashes in the spring. You wish that, you know, Johnny Wilson maybe caught those balls in the spring game. Hope they, those can be fixed. But you saw some really good flashes from them uh, this spring camp. And you didn't get to see Winston Wright yet because, you know, obviously a really tough, tragic car crash had put him definitely sidelined for the rest of his camp. And he was really limited to start off camp. And then, you know, you look at Deuce, who's still a limited guy, who's a, not really limited. He's actually a developmental and a project player. And, you know, I saw a little bit there, but you definitely saw you saw potential big time playing time, potential starting playing time for a guy like Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson. And how is this going to change up things for Keyshawn Hill and Portier? You got Williamson there. How, and, you know, Malik McLean is a solidified starter heading in 22. I think this, I think this room is a solid, is a solid B, solid B and into after spring, in my opinion. Which I think going into it for me, I think I was around that B minus C because I just wanted, I had to have answers. I had to have answers. I didn't, I had no idea that Johnny Wilson, that was a surprise guy for me. I was not expecting, even Micah, I wasn't saying this was going to be a big guy that would make those contested catches, be a threat in the end zone there. And I think he shocked a lot of us there, a lot of the media there about how he performed. And Johnny Wilson, by far, yes, that was a shocker. But this was a better grade come out of the spring for me. I think B's a, a good a good grade for the unit and i mean it's an improvement over what we saw in 2021 and i think it just comes down to you know you mentioned those top three um transfers coming in and Pittman, johnny wilson and winston wright who hopefully he can return to full health you know around fall camp or so and contribute in the 2022 season um a lot of a lot of expectations on those three and just malik mclean moving into a sophomore year joshua burrell back healthy uh, after that lower body injury a season ago. There's some guys that can contribute for um, Florida State, as well as you know Ontario Wilson and, and Keyshawn Heldon. I think you've got six, seven, eight guys that you feel comfortable throwing out there. And it's an improved, it's an improved core from last year than, than what Jordan Travis was throwing to in 2021. And it's just big uh, throughout these next four months, you know, organizing those player runs, seven on sevens, getting out there, getting as many reps as possible. Um, and Winston Wright continuing to progress because he could be a, a game changer for that wide receiver unit. We didn't even get to see him in the spring. And you talked about Jordan Travis's progression with the deep ball. I mean, imagine when that guy's back and he's, he's throwing to someone with that type of speed. Um, but I think the best is yet to come for these wide receivers they were still kind of getting into the groove of things throughout these 15 spring practices. And I saw some potential for uh, an improvement in the passing game throughout 2022. Uh, for me, I had this unit as a D heading into t- this spring. Because, I mean, there, no, there was a lot of question marks, man. The leading receiver had less than 400 yards catching last year. But this was think, a legitimate yeah. question mark. So I think coming out of spring, I, I, I too put it as a B. Um, I, I think that 
you know, it seems like Travis has a pretty good connection with Wilson already. You know, he need, he needs to catch the ball. Um, I agree with Logan. I, I, I think what was surprising was how, how flexible and how, you know, explosive and, and how shifty Wilson is at that size. Um, and, and one thing that, you know, I don't think no, one, no one's really said it was, you know, these three guys, I, I look at two guys in particular. I look at Ontario Wilson and I look at Kinshawn Portier, who took that as motivation and stepped their game up this spring. Um, you know, you, you constantly heard and saw Kinshawn making tough catches on the sideline. Um, and, and Wilson is just that old dog that won't go away. You know, just really isn't going to blow you away with elite athleticism, but he's going to, he's going to be Mr. Dependable. So I think he's going to play. Um, and and I, I, I like Josh Burrell. I think him in the slot could be a mismatch, you know, especially in the red zone. You know, I, I do like the idea of putting him at tight end. Just he's going to be a guy you can create mismatches um, in, in, in different sets because he's super strong. He runs really good routes. And he catches everything. Um, and, and that's what this team needs. So I, I, I like what I saw coming out of um, out of spring. You know, if Whitson Wright comes back healthy, I think that you have a unit that's going to really help this offense. And, you know, we talk about the running game that has been really solid under, under Mike Norvell. Could take the next step if the passing game can open up. Uh, let's jump over to defense real quick, and we'll move a little bit quicker through these. But uh, what, do we, what do we want to start? DN? I guess we'll work DN work on the inside. Uh, I give this room – I feel a lot, a lot better. I feel a lot better after the spring, um, as so I think everybody does on here. I'm going to give this group um, – with Pat Payton making the, making the moves and developing well – I'm giving a B plus. I think a B plus here, and it's close to an A in my opinion because I think you've got three potential starters on that defensive end group. Which before heading into it, I wasn't really fully feeling that. But number one, uh, you know, Jared Verse is Jared Verse. I think he's going to have a pretty pretty good year for Florida State in 2022. And the way that he was dominating Florida State's offensive line, kind of like how Jermaine Johnson did last fall. Um, just told me enough about what we're probably going to see. And you got Derek McLendon who has worked on his body a big time with coach storms. And he talked about that after one of the practices in the latter half of spring saying that, you know, he really feels like he can be one of the top defensive end players, not, not only in the conference uh, and the state, but in the country as a whole. And, you know, we were very high. I think this whole group is very high on Derek McLendon. And we saw flashes of him wearing that 55 on the inside, whenever he was working on, an interior defensive line group and the way that he sh- has reshaped his body, he's thinner than Jared versus. And that's crazy to think of from a guy that was working on the interior whenever starting off his career at Florida state. And so you got Derek McLennan, you're hoping to have Dennis Briggs back fully. He was limited a little bit this spring camp. You see the upsides. If you have Quashawn Fuller right now, along with uh, Pat Payton, who Nate, you're very high on him. And I was glad to send you a few texts saying, Pat Payne's putting on a show today, and we also got to hear it from sources of them at the spring scrimmages of him making some plays and got to see it firsthand, who I think the biggest thing for him 
was putting on size and gaining confidence. And I think that those two things happened for him, <clears throat> for him this spring. So B plus, I want to give it an A, but B plus, at a, B plus, A, B plus. I'm going, I'm going A minus. Okay. I, I, I like the room a lot. I, I you know, I, I, one of my crazy predictions was verse not starting. Um, I, I think he proved. No, you said verse third string. No. Yeah. I said he wasn't starting. Pull that Remember shit once. up. VZ, pull, pull run it back. here with the facts. He, he said it first third string. Oh, my God. I can hear He it. did say it first third string, and then he came around on it. Yeah, so. He came so, around on it. You know, okay. The thing that excites me, you know, like I said before, I said it a couple weeks ago, was I, I like his main streak, man. I, I'm surprised by that. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that you have him. Uh, you have Briggs, who's going to play a lot. He can play inside and outside. Um, Dirk McClendon had just as good of a spring as Verse. Um, I, I, I think those are your, your, your two starters. You have Patrick Payton, who worked on his body all last year. Um, in my opinion, is maybe the most natural pass rusher, and he's in the play. Um, you have – so th- th- those are two deep right there. And then you have a Quashon Fuller. Um, you know, who knows what happens with him. Um, but, you know, he's progressing like you want. Uh, we haven't talked about, um, you know, Dante Anderson, mm-hmm. probably going to redshirt, but he showed a lot. Of, he showed a lot this spring for a yeah. guy who was a walk-on early in Raleigh. And, and then you got Byron Turner, who the coaches like a lot, um, coming off the shoulder injury. So there's a lot of guys to like. And I feel really, really good about this about this position group. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if, if we mentioned uh, Leonard Warner, who, who's also back and could contribute on the edge for Florida State. I'm sticking with you, Logan. I'm going with a B-plus as well. Um, really love those signs that you saw from Verse, making that transition from FCS to FBS and not even blinking um, from the time he arrived in Tallahassee to now. I mean, he's just continued to – to dominate. And by the end of that spring, you really saw that the passion that he was playing with was on display with the rest of that defense. You know, they, they were buying into what he was doing and there were some very physical practices, guys getting after one another. And, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be a problem on that defense. I think he's going to, he's going to create some things outside of plays uh, for Florida state during the fall. I think there, he'll draw some penalties, piss some people off, draw some personal fouls. Um, he's going to be very useful Obviously, we all know what Dennis Briggs is. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a stalwart for Florida State, switching back to the outside. Derek McClendon um, is a big surprise and just want to continue to see him and uh, progress. No, I told you. I didn't think he was a surprise to me. I didn't well, think just the way that he's he attacked the offseason conditioning program and his body has continued to develop, yeah. he, he just looks like a completely different player. And he's also found that confidence factor as well that I think maybe escaped him a little bit early on. And you can see in the light, the light has turned on and we mentioned Pat Payton, Leonard Warner. So really you've got really four guys. I think they're viable options to start and then six or seven that, that could be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you saw the signs like Nate was saying, Dante Anderson, that's a guy that's not going to be a pivotal factor, but if just going through the, through guys that are, Back there in the depth chart, you see those small signs, and Dante put on some size too. Um, what what Coach Storms is doing with some of these guys, and with Byron Turner, definitely Pat Payton, and most certainly Dante. Dante has a nasty punch, and like y'all were saying, like you were saying, Dustin, 
you got to hope the biggest thing for probably verse is probably calming him down because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to calming him down. He had kind of have that Timmy Jernigan kind of vibe where you just kind of just got to calm it down just a tad. You're going to do your thing. But he's a guy that I thought condition wise is making plays first down, second down, third down, fourth down. He did that all through red zone drills uh, this entire spring. And that's a guy that I think I'll, I'll probably have to give it an A. If, if Since I was so high and talking so high, there's no way I can give the, the defensive end group anywhere below an A if I've been so high on Jared first. So, so I can't so, ride that wave. Real question, Logan. Yeah. When it's all said and done, uh, who are you going to love more, Jared mm. verse or Timmy Jernigan? Uh, no, it's, it's going to be hard to get rid of Timmy Jernigan's uh, cutout that's in my bathroom. That's going to be a little weird and tough. To That's weird your, right there. Well, it is tough. It is tough. And, you know, I keep you're saying just, it publicly and nobody just stare really, Timmy in the eyes whenever you're doing when your I go pee. When I go pee, yeah. I just see what excellence looks like. Oh, God. I look what excellence looks like. And that's what I do. It's going to be tough, though. I do I do like first. Let's move on to the inside. It's going to get weird here. Let's get to the inside. Real quick, last thing on defensive ends. I just want to, they're not going to have the one two punch that you had this year with Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. But I think you might end up having a better rotation overall if that makes sense. You're not going to have the same quality of starters, but depth-wise out to that four to six man, you're going to have more guys capable of making an impact when they do sub in for the starters. And, and I don't mean to sound bad when I say this, but you know, last year the guy that came in was Marcus Kushner. And you had significant drop-off after, you know, after – um, you know, Jermaine or Kier needed a break. You went to Marcus Kushney. We know how that played out. The guy had one tackle on the season. Where's he at, Nate? UMass. Damn, I'm surprised you knew that. <laughs> There's this interesting group tonight. We are we officially hit. We're not in the dry, dry off season yet, but we've got an interesting group on YouTube today. Tonight, I should say. Uh, let's re- let's jump into the interior defensive line, which Jesus. real quickly, I'm giving this one an A, A plus, A plus. I've got four starters on defensive interior with starting off Robert Cooper, Fabian Love. This was the strongest, 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 strongest group out of the spring. Um, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, Malcolm Ray, Jared Jackson, Joshua Farmer. Those could, those could be five potential starters. I still need to see more from Farmer, but I mean, the size difference that he put on and some of the punches and God damn, that's a big boy coming through the middle uh, along with those other four. Um, and I really liked, I was really kind of shocked by the strides that we saw and the maturity that was growing between Bishop Thomas and Daniel Lyons. I think Bishop's a little bit more ahead, but that doesn't really matter that much. If you've got these four guys and a pinch, potential five with Joshua Farmer getting in there, you feel really, really good about this group. So I'm going A+. plus. Uh, I go solid A. Nothing that you – that I can really say different. I think that this – I think Florida State's front line is going to be one of the best in, in, in the conference. Um, you know, I, I feel really good about Lovett, Cooper – Jackson and you know Farmer, who who I think is going to play. You know Malcolm Ray, really like him a lot. Um, you know, they they have the depth and they have guys that can have some interchange, you know, some versatility. Um, I'm going a, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy, you you, you have a front four that's going to create some havoc. Yeah, I'm a hard grader, so I can't go with an A plus, but. 
I will go with an A, and I agree with you, Logan. This is Florida State's strongest position group uh, throughout the spring, and I said it a couple weeks ago, but this is the unit that is going to be the backbone of this team and this defense in 2022. I mean, really, any four of those guys, you would feel comfortable if they were starting. If if uh, Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper weren't here, I don't think anyone would have any qualms about Malcolm Ray or Jared Jackson uh, stepping into those roles. And I mentioned it before, but that injury to Dennis Briggs last year, it, it kind of became pivotal for Florida State because it gave those guys a chance to develop. And now you've got four bonafide monsters back there. We'll see what Joshua Farmer and some of those other younger guys do. But as long as those top four stay healthy, I mean, you're you're feeling excellent about the interior of that defensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're feeling really good. And I got to say, I got to give props. Probably a guy, I already know what I've got with Lovett and Cooper. But I got to give my props to Jared Jackson. I thought he had, out of that defensive line group, I thought he had a really, really good spring. And I'm excited for him uh, heading into 2022. And you got to like that. And you, you saw the really good flashes from Malcolm Ray, too. But I, I could keep on talking about defensive line. That was that this group just ran the spring. And, you know, I think Adam Fuller, Coach Odell Hagens, you know, got to love Coach Hagens. I, I spent a lot of time watching O-line and D-line. You know, they'll, they'll do have a lot of 3v3 battles, battles, and then they'll have one-on-ones. And, you know, that, that's a fun group to watch. Odell Hagens versus Coach Atkins, I'll tell you, that's where you get your popcorn out. And got to see those guys develop. And, you know, I think that group with that defensive line and that first string offensive line and those guys battling it can only help that offensive line. But you can tell that it's just a different level. They're on a different level. Uh, let's jump over to linebackers real quick. Grades here. What do you got, D. Lou? How are you feeling after the spring? Some question marks. You got some guys in the transfer portal, but nothing too pivotal yet. How we how we feeling on this group? Because this was another question mark heading into the spring, as usual. Yeah, I, I didn't hate the linebackers. Um last year you know i just thought outside of amari gainer it was a younger unit and and we saw those flashes from kaylin deloach and dj lundy as the season went on and i'm we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier and we were talking about green mcknight transferring but i feel pretty comfortable with with where the unit stands at this time um particularly with florida state style of defense that you're only gonna have two guys on the field uh the majority of situations and Tatum Bethune, Kalen Deloach, they can hold down the top of that rotation. And Amari Gaynor, DJ Lundy, Omar Graham Jr., maybe Steven Dix Jr., going to be pretty heavily involved, I think, as well. And Florida State, they've got a lot of options. You know, they've got guys that are better at stopping the run. They've got guys like Amari Gaynor who are better rushing the passer. So it's going to be a little interesting. And, and I think the change from Randy Shannon to Chris Marv is going to pay off as well because – we all know that Randy Shannon has been doing this successfully for over over two decades uh, throughout the state of Florida, and he's coached Tatum Bethune before. So I'm 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 interested to see kind of how that change plays out, and if these linebackers continue to show the signs that we saw this spring. Because if so, you're gonna you're gonna feel comfortable with with where things stand in the fall. Did I say B minus B minus? I, I I'm in the. B minus minus. I'm right at eighty <laughs> percent. B minus minus. <laughs> you know, because um, I, I do think Caden Bethune lifts this room up significantly. Um, I, I think that you know Kalen Deloach's progress last year um, 
was one of the one of the top two to three surprises uh, of of the whole team last year. Um, you know, DJ Lundy dropping weight looked a lot better in pass coverage. That's going to help him out. Um, feel really good about Amari Gaynor. You know, he's still a little bit of, of an enigma. Doesn't really necessarily have a home, but he can be used in a lot of different positions. So I think you have four guys you like. And as we said earlier, when you're playing only two linebackers, you have a solid two deep. If Dix can, you know, on the hoof, Dix looks like a million bucks. You know, we can all agree, you know, in, in the gym, yeah. he, he, he's the man. Um, played, played early and played a lot as a freshman and shows the potential, but we really haven't seen a lot of progress. So if FSU can get some growth out of him, that helps this unit significantly. And, and I'm putting a little asterisk next to Brennan again because I still think that that's someone that can help that unit. You know, there's not a lot of guys that have his physicality. Um, you know, he can cover in space, it, it, you know, in that, you know, in that 15-yard range. And I I, I, I have my eye on him because I think he, he can help that unit too. So um, I, I, I'm not excited enough to give it a solid B, but I, don't, I do think it's a little bit above, you know, above an average group. So that's not why I have B minus minus. Be minus minus. Now I won't say any more. Y'all kind of touched on everything. I will mention Lundy and the spring. This this in the spring looked really really good in coverage, and that's where I think it puts a tough spot for Stephen Dix Jr. And we'll see. Stephen Dix Jr. still had had great signs, but Lundy I thought is just is still a step ahead, and so we'll see if that affects Stephen Dix Jr. There. But I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a B minus heading out out of the spring. Yeah, and, and you know I I talked a little about it a little bit about it in the you know predicted. Uh, Duck chart piece, but you know, DJ Lundy's the best run stuff for this unit has. Um, you know, his instincts are really good. You know, he's a thumper, so he's gonna play. And the fact that he improved in the passing game, you know, that bodes well for him because he played a lot last year and he's gonna be dependent on, on, on this year too. So, Uh, let's jump over to defensive back. Let's just start off on like corner side and maybe we'll run over to safety, um, you know, or we just do it overall defensive back room. But I think Florida State, at least in the cornerback, will start there. You see Greedy Vance getting a lot of early playing time. You've got guys, as we expected, Marion, uh, Marion Cooper to jump in and get play time. That might be your solidified starter on one side, and you're still looking at maybe who's going to be number two. But you see Renardo Green at the latter half of spring once he was fully healthy, getting into that early rotation and being a starter. Uh, I'm going to give this room uh, – I still want to see more from them, and it's hard to grade from a spring. I mean, it was a really good battles between them and wide receivers. I'm going to give it – I'm going to give it a – I'm going to give it a B – B – B. I'll give it a – flat B out of that, out of that corner room. I still want to see more. And I, I think for this, it's a little bit harder to tell because they're facing the same guy over and over and over again. And I'd like to see an actual game happen, but that doesn't happen. We only get a spring game, but uh, I'm going to give this, this room a, a B flat B out of the, after the spring. Is this just corner? Strictly corner. Yep. Mm, it's iffy. You want to go Dustin or, or you want me to go? Uh, you can go. <laughs> it's a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough. Um, I'm going. I'm going B plus, man. I, I like this room. Um, 
I, I, I feel Marion Cooper is going to going to make a jump. I think that he's going to contend for, you know, all ACC. Um, I think wow. that. Hey, put it down. Bold predictions. Yep. I think that Renardo Green, you know, he's a guy I've always liked. He started as a freshman, battled some injuries, and looked really good this spring. So I think those are your two starting corners. Um, really like the two youngins, but um, you even have Kevin Knowles that plays some outside this spring, you know, working on different packages. Um, the development of Demory Tate, if that can continue, is going to help this unit. Um, Jerrion Jones is a veteran. You know, he can come in and, and play some spot duty, but I do think his time as a starter is over at Florida State. I think he's been passed. Um, I, I think it's, it's a young room, no doubt, mm-hmm. but I think it's a talented room. And um, there's some really good pieces to work, on, work with. Um, I, I really like the combination of Green and Cooper. Um, I, I feel very good about this unit um, heading out of spring. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll have to go um, with an A minus for the cornerbacks. Uh, really mm-hmm. impressed with the continued progress from Kevin Knowles and Marion Cooper and the resurgence of Renardo Green. Man, it, it's been impressive to watch. To watch um, dating back to seeing him at tour of duty, and he continued it throughout the entire spring. And I, I think he's going to be a real difference maker in the defensive backfield as long as he can stay healthy and you know he can switch between that natural cornerback spot and also the nickelback. So we'll just have to see how Florida State uses him in that defense and bringing in greedy Vance. That's a solid addition as well. And and also the true freshman and like Nate, I, I think maybe it's a little concerning that most of these guys are still relatively early in their college career. But at the same time, you saw what Kevin Knowles and Omar and Cooper did last year as true freshmen. They came in, they stepped up and they made an impact on that defense. And, and I think it's only going to continue and greedy Vance, same thing at Louisville. You know, he, he was pretty impressive over there, and he should be a solid addition. Um, you know, maybe maybe losing Jarvis Brownlee hurts a little bit when it comes to run support, but I'm confident that these young, tenacious defensive backs, you know, you look at you look over at Sam McCall and Azari Thomas and the way they competed this offseason, the, the mindset that seems to be on their shoulders – these guys are, are ready to come in and, and punch you in the mouth. So regardless of the youth, I think they're they're ready to step up and compete and prove that Florida State's defensive backfield is primed to make a resurgence. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen it at Florida State and we see it across the country that I think corner is definitely a spot where guys can come in and play early and, and make impacts early. It's a hard spot, don't get me wrong. I, 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 think, I, excuse me, I think corner is one of the hardest spots. In football, but you know, I think that you know Florida State has, you know, to follow what, what Dustin was saying, man. You know, McCall and Thomas have lived up to the billing. I think, which makes you feel really good about this run. Yep, got got into some early rotation too. I'm not talking starting rotation, but got into some second deep and such. And that, you know, we were able to report on. And, and, and that first practice we saw, they were like fourth on the depth chart. Yeah. They've oh yeah, they were, and they, they they've earned their spot. Yeah, so first, you know, you usually have first and second string in the IPF, and when the media is there, we're able to report on those kind of things. But starting off the spring, you know, they put out the third four stringers out in the outside portion of the practice field, and they ran their own eleven on elevens 
to start off the practice, but start to see those two started creeping into the IPF. And then later on throughout the camp, you, they were given opportunities in the twos with, with AT and Sam McCall. And that is great. And I think, you know, Norbell just spoke highly about him. You know, he got asked all kinds of questions about those two, but the future there at Florida state DBU, it kind of will continue on, I think with Sam McCall and, and Azare Thomas, those are some two guys that you feel really good about and in the future at their corner positions. And Jerry and Jones better watch out because he, he is in danger toward or danger territory right now of uh, these young guys just completely passing him up in the rotation. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. you see some signs from him. Yep. And, and you saw flashes from Tate too this spring. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I wonder in the comment here, that's his actual name for, I know the podcast listeners are probably wondering what the hell I'm talking about, but I wonder from YouTube is asking who are the best tackling DBs. We're probably getting to them right now. Jamie Robinson uh, and Keem Dent, those two guys seem to Bernard, have just Bernardo killed Green. Bernardo Green. <laughs> yeah, Bernardo Green. Um, but specifically now going over to just the the safety room, I'm giving this grade an A and out of spring. I think you've got some solidified starters there with Akeem Dent, who had maybe out of that whole entire DB room the best spring camp out of anyone. And I know there was some some talk or trips. I don't know. It was over the weekend. And I'll be honest, I was there kind of on a vacation and feeling things out of maybe a potential moving spot. So I was a little, I was not really on my phone as much. And yeah, of course I was drinking. I, there was things that were going on and I was enjoying myself just to have a couple of days off. And I saw this Akeem Din stuff and that was would have been shocking to me. I was in St. Pete. So you were in St. Pete. You didn't tell me. <laughs> that, that's probably why. Right St. Pete is literally like 15 minutes from my house. Do you, do you know that I'm about to be down there a lot this fall, so I'll be coming to see you a ton. Well, for I, all these I don't Bucks games. see you on a permanent basis. You know, <laughs> once every six months is fine. But your face does look like a little six- scared. I'm coming over for family dinner, baby. Hey, you're more than welcome. Oh, I'll come over. We'll welcome. Do- I, I, run- I, can, I can sling it on the grill, bro. Whatever you want. Dustin's looking weird. He's sad he didn't get invited. That's all it is. I got some um, tea for you, Dustin. Ooh. Now he's, ex- now he's excited. Now he's excited. Back, back to what's important. Back to what's important, though. The safety room. I'm giving this room an A. I got. I knew what I got with Sydney Williams. I know what I got with Akeem Den. And most certainly, uh, Jamie Robinson, who killed it. His ladder. He was a little limited this spring camp. It looked really, really good. At the end of it all, and you just this is what you get with Jamie, and you're so glad to have him back. I think that might be the player that you know. There's a lot of them, definitely on the defensive line, and some other groups that you're glad that some of those players came back. But Jamie Robinson is going to be huge for Fort Saint 2022. I'm giving this room, I'm giving this room an A. I, I, I'm giving it an A too. I think you have four guys who can start. Um, I think Jamie Robinson is the alpha of the defense. Um, you know, Akeem Dent, phenomenal spring. Um, Phenomenal spring. You know, he settled into that safety spot. Um, you have Cindy Williams who can play both safety spots, who's been a starter. Um, really like what he brings to the table. Uh, Shaheen Brown had, a, again, another guy had a really good spring who could also be a starter. Um, and, and one guy we haven't talked about, you know, disappointingly, is Travis J, who coming out of the camp, it's third string. Um, you know, for, you know, for me, it, it's a guy I've always been high on. You know, just a naturally gifted football player, but it just hasn't clicked. 
So, you know, th- that's someone to watch, but you look at that, that safety room, it, you know, you could even slide Thomas in or McCall back there if you wanted to and, and still have a really solid unit. So I really like that room. Um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going a, yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, safety's one of the, the strongest positions on this team and, I'm going to have to say A as well, not to stick with the same grade, but Jamie Robinson, Akeem Dent, they're, they're going to be excellent for Florida State as that probably probably a starting safety tandem. Um, to have Robinson back, a guy who led you in tackles last year and really became one of the leaders on that defense down the All stretch. I, I think it's I think it's huge. You know, this, this is his money year. He, he's playing uh, – for prime draft position. And I think he's probably going to have a better year than, than last year. And same thing with Akeem Dent. Let me ask you this guy. real quick, Dustin. Sorry to cut you off. Do you, do, you, do you think it's unrealistic to talk about Robinson being an All-American type player coming off of All-ACC? I mean, he, he's got to be in the conversation. Especially with how he performed he's, last year and how he's continuing to progress, such a big factor in the run game defense too. Major factor. I don't think he's a preseason All American, but he no. can play himself onto that list with another tremendous twenty twenty two campaign. And Timmy, Timmy's right here. I mean, not to just end off the safety talk, but Timmy's right. I mean, this defense dominated the spring, and not just only dominated because offense was awful but this is showing a really good sign for florida state if you're if you're relying on one side of the ball we'll talk about this whole offseason because we will have nothing else to talk about but if you're going to rely on the one side of the ball heading into 2022 it's going to be that defense right now the way that all sides are kind of clicking and you got the strong defensive line that just kind of goes in a um just goes into a role that could be could be has a chance to be really strong here in the ACC and could be a big time pivotal factor. It's just a big thing of consistency. Can they keep the consistency? It's always been the struggle for Florida State the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, really, the defensive backfield as a whole, you've got to feel pretty comfortable about um, cornerbacks. That's where the most of your youth is. But you look at the safety unit and you've got a ton of experience there. Um, I mentioned Robinson and Dent. But even behind that, Sidney Williams, he's played heavily for Florida State um, the last two years, and he was excellent last year next to Jamie Robinson before before he got hurt. And Jarquez uh, McClellan as well has contributed mm-hmm. throughout his career at, at Arkansas, and then since he got to Florida State ha- has been in that rotation. So from from top to bottom in that defensive backfield, you you probably feel – a lot more comfortable than you have over the past couple of years when, when we've seen a lot of miscues there, um, especially the fact that all of these, pretty much all of these guys played together and developed chemistry with one another last season. And you should only expect uh, a stronger performance overall, I think, uh, in 2022. It's going to be really exciting watching this uh, secondary versus, uh, you know, Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State in the playoff. You're muted, bro. 
God dang it, I was saying some crazy awesome stuff that would get me elected into like freaking CBS Sports NFL countdown. Dang it. I was saying some good stuff there, but I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah, that's going to be awesome, Nate. I can't wait to be there in the press room <laughs> with you because yeah. if Florida State ends up winning a playoff game or anything of that nature, definitely making it to a national championship, Nate's going to like yell like a motherfucker. <laughs> it's going to be hard for any kind of FSUB person to be quiet during that, but. I couldn't even imagine Pasadena. Good God. Um, but yeah, that will recap our grades on the spring. That officially wraps up everything. We'll still what have about conversation. special teams. That's right. And that reminds me, I need to make sure I apologize for that. Uh, special teams as a whole. I, this is so hard to grade because we don't, nobody's hitting a thing. So kickers, uh, give me B, B minus. B minus on the kickers. Um, give me a B plus for punter and give me, I know your biggest. You thing. couldn't have just done an overall grade. No, nah, I'm giving, I'm going specifics here. Uh, well, then I'm going to need turn. punt team, kickoff team, kickoff return. <laughs> oh, no. CC. Give me a C. After what we saw last season, I, it's hard to evaluate this in the spring. So give me it's C. Below I'm average off of last year. That is not for me. Give me a, what did you say? It's below average. And so I see that it's not so. C, yes, I'm giving it a C for below last average. year. Below average is a D. Yeah, I think it will. I think it will be different with Micah, but as we watch the spring scrimmage, they're kicking it to somebody, and there's no one near them at all, and they just catch it and run five yards and pat on the back. So, give me a Should C. Florida State fans be confident in their field goal kicking team. Not, 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 not different than last year. Not different than last year. Not fully. That's all I need to hear. Yeah. There you go. That's what the people's want. That's what the people wanted to hear. That's why we saved it for the last bit of the football part of things here. Because what about we get from down under. How's he looking? The pound, uh, a lot of high kicks. A lot of high kicks. They're, over, you know, when we're in the Dick Hauser watching it, they do go definitely high up there and really good elevation on those kicks from the punter from. Say it, Dustin. The punter from down under. What Austin about the long snapper see. battle who's pulled ahead in, in this thrilling competition? <laughs> I'll be awesome. I'll be awesome. Uh, Garrett Murray or James Bradbury? <laughs> Why is that Looking funny? good. That's going to be something. That, that'd be like a Tyson Fury slash uh, Wilder fight. You know, that, that is a battle that we won't be able to see until the lights kick on against Duquesne in week zero. Yeah, it's a tough one to break down. You know, Garrett Murray being a homegrown talent, and you brought in Bradbury from the transfer portal, and, and he locked down the job last year. But I'd be interested to see if Murray can get a leg up on the competition. They've got four months now, and I'm sure he's going to be working on that snapping time. He's got it down to 0 0.16 seconds, and – if he can, if he can get it to around a point one, you're you're feeling really good heading into August. So keep your eyes on long snappers, underrated uh, underrated unit. Bang! There we go. There's the analysis there from Dustin. That's why we have him on the show weekly. You only know you only notice them when they mess up. So that's right. Don't mess <laughs> up. Uh, shout out to Lady Knowles as the comments are going crazy. I believe just defeated. Clemson five. walked off against Clemson. Walk off against Clemson. They Shout walked out. off the field like during the game. 
And this is they're, why we're not boycotting the game. No. <laughs> <sighs> no, nah. I, I don't watch this. The the bat sport, so I'm just I'm, I <laughs> baseball. I don't either. To be fair. we can't be yeah. wrong though. Whenever like College World Series, when College World Series comes around, though, I am I'm fully invested in that. Right now, let me get some time. Then we got a good softball team. Let me get some time. That's but let me uh get to a little bit of the postseason. I'll dial in. I promise I'll dial in. Now that spring's over, I'm dialing into softball. I promise. I'm dialing in. You want now I'm going to give y'all updates. I'm giving y'all updates Logan. now every week. I'm going to give y'all updates every week now that spring's over. I'm going to dial my, You want to know my thoughts on, on softball? Now, is this something that will get us canceled or no? Hopefully they're better than baseball. Um, oh, well, my gosh. Well, baseball's on a run right now. To where? No, I, okay, I'm not see, trying. we've got it. I, 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 I should have never brought up any kind I'm of other gonna, sport. I'm not going to go there. No. All also right. knows where I'm going to go. Yeah, we're done. Let's move it on to a sport that we all know and love after we forgot what happened <laughs> in 2021. Don't no. be sarcastic. I forgot what happened last year. I thought we all did. I thought you said that that's what you forgot. Let me bring your name up here again, as everybody here knows. Forgot 2021 yeah. basketball season, Austin Beasy. Yeah. But we got to say, though, Florida State did land some help there out of the transfer portal, and that is going to be – Mr. Darren Green Jr. from UCF. He's coming off of, and I wrote this down on my own. He's coming oh, off. Okay. He's coming off of a season averaging 13.3 points per game while shooting 38.5% from the three on a 7.83 point attempt per game. You can tell he's reading off a page. If, 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 if anyone read my article after Green committed, it might sound a little bit familiar. Yeah, but I'm not done yet. <laughs> For comparison, going back to those numbers, for literally, comparison, literally no one – word for word. The no one person one, that read Austin's article that's watching this show is in – they are angry at you, Logan, for plagiarizing. <laughs> <laughs> the one person? Oh, that is mean, Destin. We had is a good amount of one? views. It's Austin yeah. himself. Yeah, I read it, Austin. Austin, I read all your articles, man. I appreciate that is it. total it. bullshit. That is so <laughs> BS. That is total BS. That is not. I read, no I, I read everyone's article that posts from Logan <laughs> Take the cap off. Anyways, I'm not done with what I wrote down in my notes. Great job, for, <laughs> Great job, Austin. For comparison, no one at Florida State has shot more than 5.53 point attempts in the last 10 years, and 7.83 point attempts would be the most since Tim Pickett in the early 2000s. Who's Tim Pickett, Logan? Be, uh, be honest. Is that the first time you've heard the name Tim Pickett? That's not Pickett, the wide receiver from Georgia, right? No, that's Pickens. Pickens. Oh, Pickens. There we go. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know who Pickett is. Uh, oh, Pickett in the NFL draft. No, I don't know Pickett from Someone UCF. Someone wanted to shoot me and put me out of my not Pickett oh, from oh, UCF. Oh, he's from bro. FSU. Oh, he's from FSU. My bad. My bad. I'm getting there. I was gone over the weekend. I was gone. I would have read all into Austin's piece. And I didn't do it. I didn't edit it. Dude, we posted Austin's piece on like Tuesday. Well, I was getting re- I, no I, was, I was getting ready <laughs> for my trip. I was getting ready for my trip. <laughs> okay, I'm dialing. I'm, I'm going to get back into, you know, basketball when it gets closer. So, VZ, give us the latest because we do have some basketball freaks in here in the comments. So, we do need to educate them on Florida State's new uh, grad transfer. Yeah, so while football, you know, swung and missed on, on the transfer they wanted over the weekend, 
basketball Ooh. got theirs um, in, in Darren Green Jr. <laughs> um, Green's a phenomenal player. All right, Austin, uh, I lied. Your articles suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unreal. It, this is a guy the basketball team has been missing really since PJ Savoy. Um, but Savoy didn't have the off the dribble threat that Darren Green does. I mean, a, a guy that can put up this kind of shots in, in this kind of volume, something Florida State's really never had. Um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does in this offense, really in this system, because he's not that much of a defensive player, but he's got decent enough size and athleticism. Um, but finally, we have someone that can shoot. You know, the FSU really struggled that last season. They just could not shoot. Um, and now you have a guy that can shoot about 40% on eight attempts per game. That's that's a guy that's going to be a threat. Um, and to take a guy that was the best player on a team that was, you know, middle of the road in the American Conference, which was a pretty good American Conference this year, you get the best player from that team to to bring in mind the Florida State. I think that's, that's a win all the way around. Um, really excited about this. I, I thought he was going to take more visits, but no, took the, took the one at Florida State and committed pretty much right away on uh, Monday afternoon. So is this a guy that comes in early into the rotation? You know, that's probably what I mean, most us 100%. fans are wondering. Yeah, he's a three-year three player, started pretty much every game in his career at UCF. Fans will the, – the diehards will remember him lighting up Florida State for 20 points um, in that embarrassing home loss to UCF two years ago. Mm, um, I remember that. He, he could just – he could not miss that game. He, he just could not miss. It was sitting from all over the floor, sitting from – Chipley, Orlando, Jacksonville, just hitting from everywhere. Um, I, I think this is this is a great pickup and something Florida State desperately needs. You know, they, they've really addressed the weaknesses this this offseason. They've got some shooting with Darren Green. They got some rebounding and and, and shot blocking with Jalen Ganey. and they're still going after um, <laughs> still going after Norshad O'Meara, who seems like he had a really good visit this week. Um, I, I know he's visiting Georgetown, I think, this weekend, and then Texas Tech the following weekend. M- may have him backwards, but Florida State really likes where they stand there right now. Um, if you can get him, that's another guy that's a walking double-double. He, he's averaged 18 and 12 for his two seasons. Um, great rebounder, great shot blocker, great defender. No, he, he was Sunbelt Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. If you can get Omir with, with – Darren Green coming in and Jalen Ganey coming in. That team next year looks a hell of a lot better than it did coming in this offseason, knowing now really about really to lose Polite, really about to lose Malik Osborne. What's this team going to look like with a whole bunch of young guys? But it's not looking that way right now, especially if they can land Omir. Who's the kid that chose UConn? Uh, Nahim Aline. Uh, he came to campus. Uh, he came to Florida State's campus, I think it was Monday. And then he ended his visit early to go to UConn. For a visit so once that happened i was i was like this isn't happening um that, that was the guard from virginia tech another three and d guy averaged nine points shot like 37 percent from three he, he would have been a fine addition um but i think if you get omir instead nobody's going to complain whatsoever yeah i don't know baseball but i do know basketball and darren green is a tremendous pickup for florida state one thing they really lacked last season was that consistent three-point threat, and I think he's going to give you that, Austin. I know you mentioned his defense, but with the way this coaching staff stresses that end of the floor, I don't think – Oh, yeah, he'll I don't think – yeah. The, his he'll defense will definitely move up a couple of notches, and you said it. He, he was crucial in UCF's upset of Florida State and Tallahassee back in – what was it? 
December of of 2020, hit six of the nine yeah. threes that UCF made in that game, and just a tremendous pickup for Florida State, especially with how they're starting to get involved in this transfer portal now. And I just feel like Darren Green and I will will be linked forever. So hope he's a good player. the The night he did that to Florida State was that was, the day, I got, I, that was the day <laughs> I got engaged. So I, I feel like we'll just be linked and. Uh, a ring of harmony for the rest of our lives. <laughs> what the fuck? And Florida, State, Florida State's landed two of the 30 best transfers on the market so far in, in Ganey and Green. You land Amir, you get three of the best 30. You know, that's, that's best case best case scenario right there. And I'm ignoring Dustin as much as I possibly can. Please do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I, see, I see some comments. So he's going to blaze him like Savoy. He's arguably better than Savoy just because he can do it off the dribble. You know, PJ was almost strictly catch and shoot. Um, very rarely did he put it on the floor. And, and I don't know if people remember, PJ really struggled his last season of Florida State. I think he only shot like 31, 32%. Um, I don't see that happening with Green. I mean, that's a guy that's an automatic 36, 37% at minimum. Hopefully he can be better than that, especially this year since he's not going to be relied upon as a primary option like he was this past season. You know, he's going to have guys like Matthew Cleveland and Caleb Mills to play off of. So. If anything, he just he, he takes more high efficiency, better looks. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Getting prepped for the next season because we are still dialed on basketball. We forgot what happened last year and acting like nothing even happened. And the transfer portal is something that I feel like is FSU's first true time. Yes, had had past experience there in history, but I feel like this is a pivotal time where we get to see now basketball jumping into that transfer portal, which is going to be fun to watch. And it's it's big that they're getting proven guys, you know, with, with a huge young recruiting class coming in. The fact that the fact they're getting proven guys with a lot of experience in Ganey and Green, guys that have played two, three years and have produced at a high level where they're at. You know, that that's something that's you, we haven't really seen Coach M do that besides Caleb Mills last year. Will there be a more dangerous duo than Green and Tom House? Is the question. Best shooting duo in the ACC. On the perimeter, whether it be, you know, house and green, just popping threes left and right. Best shooting duo in the ACC, no question about it. People sleeping on house. I'm going to say it. People sleeping on him. He's probably not going to play much this first year, but people sleeping on him. Yeah, and I feel like the transfer portal has changed a lot of the way that Florida State operates because you just look at Leonard Hamilton and he's been doing this for a long time and the transfer portal is relatively new and throughout his career, I think the strength of his teams has been bringing in guys, developing them throughout three or four years and then having success with teams that are led by veterans, guys that have played a lot of basketball and are experienced and now I feel like you're almost getting away from that and you're having to look at this as a one-year thing. You're building a team for one year and then the next year you're probably going to have to do the same thing, dip into the transfer portal, do different kinds of things to retool your roster. So really college basketball as a whole, I think, is changing. Not that we have to, we have to credit him for, for continuing to adapt. I mean, we, we've seen it the last 10 years where he's gone from twin post system to you know four out, one in offense to – now we're seeing a lot of five out offense these last couple of years with Luke Osborne playing at the five, stretching it to three. You know, we, we've seen him go from a guy that, you know, pretty much relied upon developing guys that those juniors and seniors are the ones that matter most to 
you know, these last five years, you're getting five stars that are coming in and playing right away and, and Bacon and John Isaac, Scotty Barnes, and the list goes on and on, Patrick Williams. Um, and now you're seeing him adapt again with his transfer portal, you know, with so many coaches stepping down just in the last year with, between Coach K, Roy Williams, Jay Wright. The, the fact that Hamilton's continuing to adapt in, you know, his mid-70s is pretty incredible. Uh, not that it ties to FSU, but what do you think of the kid from Memphis Bates? I don't know. No, no, no. Um, I'm not saying you know, tied to FSU, but yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But that, like, that's just a, just a whole weird, weird yeah. reclassifies and. I, I'm never a huge fan of basketball players, especially reclassifying. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they're just not ready. Um, you know, we, we we see it work out every so often. But this wasn't one of those cases. I thought he was way underdeveloped, and he's way overhyped. You know, we, we've been talking about Imani Bates since, what, 2016, 2017? Um, guy, the guy's just the next Kevin Durant, next Kevin Durant. Guy can score from anywhere. Then he gets in a college system, and he's just it's just not right for him. Um, you know, Memphis was a weird scenario. I'm not surprised that he's leaving, given that Memphis just got all those allegations handed down on them that everyone in the world saw coming. Um, I, I wasn't surprised at all. And I wasn't that surprised he didn't play that well this year. Memphis played their best basketball when he was hurt and wasn't playing. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Man, this was a pretty, this is a pretty lengthy, uh, podcast. And I was not expecting us to have a two hour podcast, but here we are. A lot of good, a lot of good content in this one all around. I like it. If I was an FSU fan, I'd probably come here and, Great, Nate, probably a C plus on the interruptions, but not too bad. Not too bad. It could have been a D. I'd rate you a F minus as a host because you're a douchebag. There's not that I don't know what other podcast you could get from this, but the fact of us being able to just allow to have never mind i'm not even going to add on to it you don't do find this anywhere out, else you don't find I want to shout out the minnesota timberwolves for having an all-time minnesota collapse tonight it's just an absolute embarrassment yeah what happened uh, give us the latest they, they were up 20 i think it was 26 24 late in the, I thought, yeah it was either 24 or 26 late in the third and they lost by 9 <laughs> jesus yikes they were outscored 37 to 12 in the fourth quarter at home Tough tough scene all, all time minnesota collapse right there yeah no that's a major I, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't know what it looks like how many points john Morant have he wasn't even that good he was he had 16 points hmm. tough but i'm not betting on that stuff yet but i am once the sprint now the spring camp's over and get some more time to lose my money and i'll probably be doing that uh yeah i think that's gonna wrap up everything like i said we're looking to have two 2013 national champions on the pod next week because we're expecting to have a little bit slower of a week. I, keep an eye on the transfer portal, though. If you guys aren't in the Discord yet, if you're on Twitter, DM us or send us a tweet. It's free to go in. It's free to conversate. And why not this offseason? You're going to have a very boring offseason if you're not in that Discord. I will go ahead and tell you. But if you guys want to join that, it's free to join. T- tweet or DM any of us on the podcast here. If you're on YouTube, it's in the description down below. Don't DM well, me. DM Dustin. Actually, DM everybody DM Dustin and just ask for the link. Um, but, uh, yeah, slide into his DMS. I'll be the first time he's had anybody do that in like eight years. So, uh, go ahead and do that first and then make sure you hit the like the subscribe button. Uh, we're going to have a lot of content coming back to the YouTube, uh, tons of stuff 
planned um, for the next couple of months and hopefully get some more guests on, but next week. And then on Monday, I, I, I promise to God the rising spirit interview is going to be going up. It's going to go up on Monday, I believe, because that will give us. You haven't time. put that up. No, it's going up on Man, Monday. I was just about to ask. Too much break. Too much stuff happening. There's just too, too, too many. Well, now, now who cares? <laughs> one trip. I get one trip. One too many. I get. I Dude, get we one did trip. That interview like two weeks ago. Like I get one trip. <laughs> I have to edit one part of it where it messed up there, and that's really taking a toll on me. Okay, I have to edit enough of this. You know, that that portal news could keep us busy in the next few weeks. Yeah, on so the we'll, podcast. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot of portal, and we'll <clears throat> we'll have. I think I think next week's podcast is going to be really fun with having these two 2013 national. I mean, these guys we've had on here before, but not at the same time. And I think it's going to. I be think we've had really them on at the same time. No, we've, yeah, had we on, we've had on. No, we've, we've had, had on on one, the and then another one. Well, after well, a certain camp, one of them so. came on. And no, 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 we've never had them both on at the same time. I'm we telling have. You. We have. Here, I'm going to give a hint. Who we had on was we we're getting wild and we're getting loco, or we're getting uh, los. I don't know. <laughs> we've we have not had, had on. We have. What did you just say? At the we, same time, we have yeah, had we them did. on at the same time. Probably two years ago. Now that I know, I, it yes, was a year ago. It was a year ago this week, actually. I'll find it. Get the f- out of here! And go I swear back. to dude, I swear to God, look it up. Look it no up. way we've had these two people on here before look at the up. same time. At the same time, yes, because I remember them bickering at the I think one of them was on the show a lot, and one hosted a certain camp that we attended, and then we had a. They were both on to recap that together. Considering I'm putting one, in the group chat right now, man, this man. I don't remember that. Yeah. Don't remember it. But either way, they're going to be on here with us next week, and it's going to probably be pretty entertaining once again. Because there was one that I know both were two running backs were on at the same time, and that was highly entertaining. We want to do round two, but that's not going to be the case this time. Um, that's probably who you're thinking, D. Lou. Yeah. Or just check the group chat real quick. No, two I, running no backs. I'm bro. I'm checking the group chat, but nobody's texting. Oh, Kenny Lois will catch y'all next week. Peace. <laughs> we did it. That's not them. It's not them. That no, you just said it was. It's not them. It's a wide receiver and it's a running back. Those were two running backs. So, Dustin, you bro, go I'll, do. I'll pull this up, bro. You go do your ten push-ups and squats. By the way, Nate, Dustin is working out now. By the way, Nate. Dustin's working out now. His legs are killing him because he did a few squats. Good. Um, yes, we did have these two on before. We've had them both on Thank before, you. but not at the same time. Yes, we have. No way. You're thinking of we'll, two we'll, running we'll, backs we'll, on at the same time. No. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it after we, we've closed. Yeah. We'll kill, talk about kill, the post-production. Yeah, kill, kill the episode. <laughs> you just want to get out of here. All right, everybody enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week. Look out for the Rising Spirit interview. I can promise it's coming out on Monday. So enjoy that. If it doesn't happen, then I don't know. I have no clue. But, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Adios. Peace. Mama told me not to sell work. Mama told me not to sell work. Mama 17, five, same.